0: for his kindness, for his grace that I saw you through another week. Just open your mouths with me. Just just tell Lord, Lord, I bless you. Just say, Lord, I bless you. Lord, I bless you for being faithful. I bless you for being good. And I bless you for being my God. We can bless him this morning. Had it not been for the Lord on your side, you wouldn't even be here this morning. Had it not been for the Lord on your side, you wouldn't have your right mind or a decent amount of health this morning. Had it not been for the Lord on your side, where would we be? Where would we be without the Lord? Amen. Good morning, Forest Baptist Church. It is so good to be with you. This Lord's Day, I love when we're able to gather with the saints to declare these praises unto our Lord, how we bless him, and how we lift him up. There's, there's nothing like the gathered body of Christ. There's nothing like it. I pray that we will hear that even in today's sermon. Well, welcome to all of our, our guests this morning. I'm grateful that you are worshiping with us. Welcome to Forest Baptist Church and for our, uh, our family, uh, Forrest family, good to see you once again. It's always good to be back. Uh, had the opportunity to travel to Michigan on last week to celebrate my father's uh, 70th birthday party. And it was a wonderful time. Uh, the Lord truly blessed and Uh, As people were giving their remarks, uh, the grandbabies came up and they just shut down the party. It wasn't a dry eye in the house. Uh, But I'm grateful for him and I'm grateful for your prayers and God's traveling mercies. I'm grateful for uh, Pastor Jimmy bringing God's word on last week. Uh, We are privileged to have uh, men of God who are able to rightly handle God's word. May we never take that for granted. Don't take it for granted. Someone who was able to um, study God's word and to share what the Lord has placed upon your heart, uh, upon their hearts, is, is 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 important. So important. So I'm grateful to be back with you. And on today, uh, excited because we are uh, embarking upon a new series for the next uh, six to eight weeks. We will be exploring god's purpose and god's plan for the church uh, the series why on earth is the church and as we look at what god has said about the church his plans and his purposes for the church uh my my hope is is for us to answer four basic basic questions there, there's so much really in scripture when it comes to the church it's, it's so wide and there's so many nuances uh but the Lord laid it upon my heart to lead us in answering four questions during this series. Uh, those four questions is, are, what is the church? What is the mission of the church? What is church membership? And what is church discipline? And as we explore these questions and the answers to these questions through scripture, uh, it, it is so important that we are looking to the scriptures for our answers about the church. Uh, because there's a narrative out there. People have their opinion about what the church is, what the church is for, what the church ain't doing. Everyone got an opinion about the church. But when we look at scripture, God not only has a, a uh, an opinion, he has his purpose for the church. Uh, in, our, in our culture, there's one extreme to, to think that the church is irrelevant. It's useless. There's no need for the church, and um, all, all, all they want is your money. And they, they don't mean nothing. That's 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 one aspect. Then there's another extreme where someone may feel that the church, they may feel and believe that the only per- purpose for the church is to do social good. They, they they're just here just to take care of the community. So they, there's these extremes, and and beloved, if we're if we're truly honest with ourselves. If we want to, like to admit it or not, we can see the church wrongly because as one writer puts it, it's easy for us to see the church as a meeting place for people whose hobby is God. Well, we just gather together just because we used to gathering together. And it really doesn't mean anything. So my prayer is as we look seriously at this topic of why on earth is the church that God would reveal to us and and, and also burden our hearts um, and challenge our beliefs upon what we think the church is and what we think the church should be versus what God has said. So as we start this series upon today, the question we would just like to answer is what is the church? So if you would please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew, the 16th chapter, and we're going to look at the author and the creator and the founder of the church and see what he has to say about the church. Matthew, the 16th chapter, we hear from Jesus, beginning with verse 13. If you would please stand and honor the reading of God's word. Matthew, the 16th chapter, beginning with verse 13. This is the Word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever is loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And Lord, a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Just want to place a tag on uh, this morning's text. The church is. The church is. Let's go before our Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our time. Oh, gracious and eternal father, we do bless you for who you are, for your great and mighty faithfulness. You are a faithful God. You are always near. You are always present. Lord, though we may not recognize your presence, though we may run and flee from you. From your presence, you are still there. And you still have an everlasting love for your children, Lord, that even in the midst of our sin, you sent Jesus Christ to die on our behalf, to redeem us from sin's slave block, to give us new hearts that love and desire you above everything else. Lord, you have given us new eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, You have given us the desire to seek after you, Lord, for apart from your spirit, we wouldn't even want you. So, Lord, we just give all credit and acknowledge you this morning. And, Father, as we come now to the preaching moment, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in new, marvelous, and fresh ways that we will hear from you, we will hear from on high what thus saith the Lord. Father, I ask that you would speak to us and that we would humbly listen to you. Father, I beg that you would take my foolish words and use them for your glory. For who am I but man? But, Lord, you have chosen to use, use the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. So, Lord, speak unto us this day. Lord, for whatever situation or circumstance we may deal with right now, in the name of Jesus, help us to cast our cares upon you because you and you alone are faithful. And you have promised that your grace will be sufficient. For when we are weak, you are strong. So, Father, may you please speak to us this morning. May we glorify and adore you, for you are worthy of all of our praise. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, speaking about the church, uh, the church can be a weird place. especially for a first-time visitor, imagine coming into one of our worship services and seeing everything that takes place. It would be a weird experience if you had no prior affiliation or association with the church. You would come in and you would see people gathering in chairs and uh, gathering in their seats and uh, addressing one another as, Brothers and sisters, even though they have no biological link, no tie. They, we didn't all come from the same house this morning. We, we, we're not a biological family, but we call each other brothers and sisters. We, we sing songs and offer praise to a God that we cannot see in front of us. Uh, and we're here preaching about a Savior who came from heaven, was born of a virgin, who was murdered, but came back to life on the third day. He revealed himself to all of his friends and family, and then he was taken up into the sky to heaven on a cloud. He goes up in the cloud, but then we also believe that though he went up in the cloud, he's coming back on a horse, a flying horse. If you were just to come up into church, you would wonder sometimes, what is this? And beloved, if we're honest, sometimes it is hard to understand what takes place here. If someone was to ask you, what is the church? How would you be able to explain this? What is Forest Baptist Church? What is taking place here? And to understand anything about the church, to understand anything about Forest Baptist Church, we have to understand who's at work here. And that's what we see in the text this morning. That there's someone at work here apart from ourselves. And then Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus reveals to us that he is the one at work here. Jesus Christ himself is at work here. He's In in Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13, he's having a conversation with his disciples. One of many conversations that he he has with them, and he's explaining to them, he's discipling them. And in this conversation, the whole goal is to help them understand who he is. He's the Christ. He's the one, he's the Messiah, the the one who, who was sent to rescue them. In this conversation, they begin to see that there are distinctions of between God's people and those who are not God's people. Up to this point, Jesus had been ministering in the community and and people had had experienced all kind of miracles by Jesus already. They had seen the evidence that he was a mighty man. They had seen the miracles that showed that he was uh, more than just a prophet. He had been ministering, healing the sick. Giving sight to the blind, and now Jesus comes to his disciples, and he he wants to know if they understand what's really going on. In the text in this Gospel of Matthew, it's at this point that the text begins to turn as Jesus begins to make his way to Calvary. He's headed towards the cross, so it's important that the disciples know who he is, and by God's grace. He opens the eyes of Peter and Peter makes this amazing confession that uh, though they say you are just a man, because God has opened up to, uh, to their eyes, they understand that Jesus is the Christ, the one promised. Not only is he is the Christ, he is the son of the living God. He is God himself. That is a incredible confession by Peter. To really understand who Jesus is. But then Jesus, upon that confession, he makes a declaration. And he says, Peter, uh, upon that statement and upon your apostolic ministry, I will build something brand new. I'm going to do something that is amazing and phenomenal all because of who I am. And Jesus is declaring that he will build his church. What is the church? This word here that Jesus used to describe an assembly is ecclesia. In the New Testament alone, this word is used 114 times. Um, in Hebrews and Hebrews the second chapter and Acts the seventh chapter, the word is used to describe a a, a, a assembly in the Old Testament. In Acts the nineteenth chapter, this word is used to describe those who who assemble to riot in. Ephesus, because they were mad at Paul's preaching. This word has a whole lot of meaning, but the remainder of the remaining times that it is used in the New Testament, the church always refers to an assembly or a gathering of Christians. That's what this word means. Jesus is is talking about, he's going to build a, a new gathering. Not just people in synagogues of Jewish descent. He's going to build something brand new, gathering people from the four corners of the earth and make them something special. That's what he's doing. So when we understand the church in that sense that this is the, uh, the church is the, the gathered people of God. Then there's even two aspects that we have to understand in that to understand the church. The first thing that we need to understand is that the church is universal. There is a universal church, so well, whenever we talk about the church universal, we talk about the church capital C. Uh, another way that we may have heard it, we uh, we may have heard it as the Catholic church, but because of, uh, of our understanding of just Catholicism and, and the Catholic church, all that word means is the universal church. So just for clarity, we, we say that the, the capital C church is the Universal church. And what the universal church is, is all Christians at all times who have ever believed and, and repented of their sin and trusted Jesus Christ, no matter what age, past, present, and future, everyone who does that is part of the church. So beloved, if you are are looking towards Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, if you believe in the promise of who He is, then you are called and considered the universal church. You are you you right there with Abraham. Your name is right there with Isaac and and Jacob. Your name is on the road with Moses and Joshua and Josiah. All those Old Testament saints all throughout history who have ever believed and looked for Christ as part of the church. An example of this, turn with me to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Let's look at an example of this being played out for us in scripture. And the writer is pointing back to Mount Sinai. And he's, he's helping them understand that before, when you came before God, you came, you were trembling and you didn't even want to touch God. But now you can come before God freely because what Jesus has done, he has, he has opened up the gates. And now you don't have to tremble when you come before God. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, beginning with verse 18. And the writer says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and darkness. And gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you. But you have come to Mount Zion And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel he's talking about a a better salvation a a, 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 a better understanding and he's pointing back to the Old Testament and all those who would ever believe this assembly and in verse in chapter 12 he's talking about assembly but we can easily look back to chapter 11 and see that that that, that whole cloud of witnesses that are part of the universal church. The church is universal in how it has revealed himself and what God is building. But primarily for our purposes in this study, we look at the second manifestation of the church, and that is the local church. All throughout Paul's letters in the New Testament, he is writing to local churches. He is writing to, to people gathered like us who will sit And hear the word of God preach. And he is writing them letters to help them understand their faith. To help them understand what God desires from them. What he requires of them. He is writing to the local church. A great illustration of this is in 1 Corinthians the first chapter. Turn with me. 1 Corinthians the first chapter. Paul is writing to the local church. But he covers all these gambits. The first chapter, verse one, he says, "Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brothers Sothenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth." I'm talking to y'all in the city. I'm talking to a particular church. I ain't talking to everybody everywhere right now, though it is for everyone. But but I'm writing to a church. That this is coming to you. Who? To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. This word ain't for everybody. Called to be saints, what? Together. With all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So Paul, he's laying out for us the understanding that there is this local church where they gather together regularly to hear the word of God preached. To be transformed by sitting under what what thus says the Lord has said, what what he has given. But yet there is this this universal church made up of everyone everywhere who calls upon the name of Jesus. See, that's the key. You can't you're not the church everywhere unless you're calling upon the name of Jesus. This is the understanding of the church that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew, the 16th chapter. And for our purposes, we want to talk about the local church. But in this passage, in Matthew, the 16th chapter, there's some truths that we we can overlook because there's a lot going on in this passage. And As a matter of fact, because this passage is so foundational upon apostolic succession, is there a pope, or how the church should be made up, it's easy to get caught up in, in those details and miss something that's simply plain right here. And the truth that we can overlook here Is that Jesus, the living word, God made manifest the visible representation of God. He is the one who builds the church. God himself is building the church. That's a simple truth, but we often overlook it. The church is a divine institution created by Jesus. What does that mean? That should help us to understand that the church ain't ordinary. The church is extraordinary. We may not feel like that on the inside, but the fact that it's Jesus who's building the church, the one who was when there was nothing, the one who has always existed, the 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 the, 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 the son of God who has came and manifest himself. The fact that he is the one building the church means something about the church. We should be excited and happy about the church just because who is building the church? Jesus Christ. From eternity past, God has had a plan and how he would reach people. And from eternity past, God has created institutions. From eternity past, we see that God created the, the institution of marriage, Genesis 2. In the text, it tells us that Adam was alone. And, and, and out of all of creation, everything had been good but when it came to Adam being alone, it was not good for him to be alone. Not saying that God created anything bad, but his creation wasn't in his completeness yet because the woman was not here. So so God get uh, causes Adam to fall asleep. He he takes his rib and he creates the woman. And now he uh, he officiates the first marriage. Marriage is a institution from God. The family is an institution from God. Be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion over all the earth. This is from God. We talked about a few uh, a few months ago, the government is an institution from God. Whatever God is giving, in, giving to us as these institutions, they are gifts from him. And the church is the same thing. From eternity past, God said, I'm going to build an institution called the church and give it as gifts to my people. That's what God is doing. These institutions. That mean something. And because his name is on the church, it should mean something to us. See, think about think about how we live practically every day. Think about when you walk to your closet and you're trying to figure out what you're going to wear. Think about what re- now, what really makes the difference between that shirt from Walmart and that shirt from Neiman Marcus. Most times, the difference in, 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 in what we wear and what we put on is just the fact that it has a brand name on it. It, it could be made at the same, the same factory, the same people, and it just has a different name on it. And because it has a different name on it, we value it more than the other name. We, we, don't, we don't like the off-brand stuff when it comes to clothes. We, we want the name brand stuff. I, I remember being young. I, we we didn't have name brand clothes. Dan and Joyce, didn't, we did not have name brand clothes. I remember going to get a, a fresh pair of stadiums. I don't, even, I, don't even, I don't know if you ever heard of them. It, it was something in the store, stadiums. I just remember they had they had the Velcro straps, so I thought I was sweet, right? So I had the Velcro straps. So I go over to my cousin's house, and, and I got my new shoes. You know, when you get new shoes, you try to show them off, you know, try to like, Show people what you got. So I'm showing off my shoes. They look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what's them? What are stadiums? I'm like, these new shoes. And they're they rocking. They, they got Adidas. And, you know, this was back in time with LL Cool J's. LL Cool J and Run DMC, you had to have Adidas. The shell to Adidas. Oh, you was a sweet. So so I, I, I'm like, man, they got Adidas. I got stadiums. So I go home. And I ask my daddy for a pair of Adidas. He said, boy, you better wear them stadiums. But there was something about the brand name that caused me to want more. We get, we esteem things because of the brand names affiliated and associated with them. Beloved, if we esteem worldly stuff with brand names, why don't we esteem heavenly stuff with the brand name of Jesus on it? When we think about the church, of all oh, the churches this and all oh, the churches, oh, church don't you know whose name is on the church? Don't you know whose blood brought the church? Don't you know who died for the church? Don't you know who is building the church? It's Jesus. It don't matter what they say. It's all about the brand name Jesus. Because my text tells me when every other brand name fades away, when every other brand name dies and is off in the grave, when, when every other name falls and fails, it's at the name of Jesus. That every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess. So if you got the brand name of Jesus. Tattooed on your heart. That's the only name that matters. Jesus. So when we think about the church. We need to look upward. We have to thank Jesus for the church Lord. I know it ain't everything you want it to be. But it. But she belongs to you. So when we have a low view of the church, guess what? We really have a low view of Jesus. Our issue ain't with the church. Our issue is with Jesus. We just don't believe what he's already said. We just don't believe what what he's doing, what he said he's going to do. Think about it. We got issues with Jesus. If the church is a gift. And we don't see it as such. I'm mad at at the giver. Think think about this, beloved. Think about every single gift that Jesus has given you. I'm not talking material things. I'm not talking physical things. I'm talking about those divine things that he has given unto you to help you to to enter into a relationship with him. Jesus has given us prayer. But we treat it like it's optional. Jesus, who is the word, has given us himself through the word of God. But how do we treat the word of God? Like it's optional. You see where I'm going here? Jesus has given us the gift of confession. I mean, we just preached on that. It's a gift that we can confess our sins, that, that we have a bloody cross to look to and to put our sins upon. The fact that we confess our sins allows us to have hope in Jesus Christ. That's a gift. He didn't owe us anything on the cross. So the fact that I can even confess my sins to a holy and righteous God who will forgive me of my trespasses is a gift. Well, we don't confess. So if so, so if Jesus has given us all these gifts already and we and we don't use them. Then why would we think the church is nothing but optional? That's what we think. The church is optional. The church is something that's there that I get to when I got time. The church is some some someplace I go to if I if I get up early enough on Sunday morning. The church is something I go to if they're, with, if they have enough entertainment to keep me woke. The church is something I go to if, if I know folks ain't gonna bother me and talk about my business. The church is something I go to when, when I, when I, I'm feeling down and I need to be filled up. See, see, the church is the place that I go to when, when everything else is going wrong and, and we have this low view of the church. But if we begin to esteem the church for what it is, see, the issue is not the church. The issue is you and me. The fact that we're sinners in God's divine institution. Think about it. Let's go back to marriage. The reason why marriages falter and fail is not because God didn't know what he was doing. It's because we're a bunch of sinners trying to get our own way. Ain't nothing wrong with the family. The family is broken because we're trying to build it in our own image. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing really wrong with the government. But you got sinful folks up in the government. Who are trying to have all the power that they want as sinners. But yet we hold the church to a different standard that we even hold our own selves. We demand that the church be perfect when we in ourselves ain't perfect. If you are in here, you are you are part of the problem. Because my, my, my Bible tells me for all have sinned and far short of the glory of God. So you know what that means, sin? That means I'm going to say some stuff that offends you sometimes. That means I'm going to sit in your chair some Sundays. That means I ain't going to be nice all the time and smile. And my reaction to your hello may not be what you think it should be. Because I'm a sinner saved by grace. But if I begin to live in a way that honors God and and, and to fulfill the blueprint of the church, so now love covers a multitude of sins. I know you, you, I I ain't digging you right now, but I'm still going to love you. Yeah, you may be in my chair, but I'm still going to love you. I may not like what you said, but I'm still going to love you because Jesus' name is stamped on you. This is what God is telling us. The church is not optional. The church is not something you just fit in when you got time. The church is a gift from God. If we've ever treated the church like that, I've I've treated the church like that. There's been plenty of times I just haven't thought about how beautiful the bride of Christ is. Other folks sin, my sin, primarily my sin. Interferes with how I should see the church. But the Bible tells us that in order to have a right relationship before God. We repent. So in order to, to begin to see the church as how God has created the church to be and to esteem At the church, as as Jesus wants us to esteem the church because his name is on it, we come before him in repentance. And, Lord, we just say, Lord, I'm sorry for not valuing your church. I'm sorry for not valuing your people. I'm sorry for not giving the church my time. I'm sorry for not making it a priority to be with the brothers and sisters gathered. Lord, please forgive me. See, but when we do that, the the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us for all of our trespasses, our sins. What a faithful God we serve. But here, not only is the church the divine institution created by Jesus, I want us to see something else that we can overlook in in a technical passage like this, because in in verses 13 through 17. The author is setting up a scenario. That people are set apart. Based upon their perspective of who Jesus is. That's what he's doing. Verse 13 says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Uh, What what do they say about me? And he's he's specifically looking out, not not at his disciples, but at the people just out there. And they're willing to acknowledge that Jesus was a good dude. They're willing to acknowledge that Jesus has some power. They're willing to acknowledge that Jesus, he he was able to help a few folk along the way. They're willing to acknowledge those things about Jesus, but there's something different about Jesus. And Peter, Peter, he gives us that contrast because Jesus says, "I, I know what they say about me, but what do you say about me? Simon Peter replied, but you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus, you're not just a good man. And you're the God man. Jesus, you're not, you're not just a, a, a nice dude who goes around healing people's bodies, but you're the God man who can heal someone's heart. You're not someone who's just nice to be around and get along with. You're someone who has an eternity set in heaven. I can dwell in your presence forever and evermore. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. The Messiah to the Jews With uh, looking at the Old Testament, the Messiah was the one who would come and establish God's kingdom on earth. He would make things right. He would redeem the people. He would save the people. He would deliver the people. So when Peter is saying that you are the Christ, he said, Jesus, you are our savior. Jesus, you are our deliverer. Jesus, you are the very one we have hoped for. You are the realization of a promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That you would uh, uh, bring about a person who would bring to themselves a new people. This is what's taking place. So there's a difference between what they say and what we say. The church is a gathering of God's particular people. The church is a gathering of God's particular people. Now, beloved, before we start thinking too much of ourselves, we got to look at verse 17, right? Because Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because you were smart enough to come up with that on your own. Is that what the text say? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because you sure got a whole lot of education and you know who I am. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, you come from a good family. And because you come from a good family... I'm going to be with you. No, he doesn't say that. He says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. The only reason, Peter, you know who I am. The only reason you can confess me as the Messiah, Son of the Living God. The only reason that you can stand here and understand who I am is because God has given you grace. It's by grace, not because we're sophisticated. Not because we were worth anything. If you really knew who you were. We have nothing to offer God. It is all by grace. It's by grace that we have been called by the father. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all by grace. You wasn't able to submit your name online to get chosen. You wasn't able to submit an anonymous uh, ballot with someone's name on it, thinking that they would be chosen. No, from eternity past, God says, he looked at you and he says, I am choosing to set my affections upon them. I know they can't offer anything to my team, but I just want to love them. It's all about grace. That God, he is calling a people to himself. He is gathering a a particular people. See, but this New Testament reality is not new. This is what God has been doing all along. He is calling a people to himself, a a chosen people, a a set-apart people. Turn with me to Exodus 19. Exodus 19, the Israelites are, have come out of Egypt. They have crossed the Red Sea. Now they have come to Mount Sinai. And God is talking to Moses here in Exodus 19 verse one. He says on the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the day they came into the wilderness of Sinai, they set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai. They encamped in the wilderness. There Israel camped before the mountain. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. God has always been in the business about setting apart a people for himself. A special people. A people who who he reveals himself to. Because in in, in chapter 20, as soon as he says, I'm going to make you my people, then he begins to give them his commandments. Chapter 20, that's where we see the Ten Commandments. If you're gonna be my people, this is what you need to look like. This is what you need to agree to. This is what how you should live. This is how you should look. You you can't be my people and look just like everybody else. You can't be my people and talk like everybody else. You can't be my people and walk like everybody else. You can't people be my people and dress like everybody else. If you want to be my people, you need to be set apart. Jesus, he's only carrying this into the New Testament, right? Because in 1 Peter, the second chapter, starting with verse 9, that same text is quoted. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness And to his marvelous life. Jesus didn't save you just just because you was cute. Jesus saved you because he has a purpose for your life. To proclaim his excellencies. That's what it means to be the people of God. That's why Peter's confession is so important. The people of God gather themselves under the banner of this confession that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone who, who, who treasures that, everyone who believes that, are, they're set apart for God's special purposes to become the people of God, that he may reflect his glory through their lives and the others may come into the family. We are a people, past Present and future gathered under the, the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, Christians we Christians are a confessional people. Uh, uh, not so much the confessions that we that we hear of that have been written. We we're a confessional people because we say Jesus Christ is Lord. And to say Jesus Christ is Lord means Jesus Christ runs my life. So you can't say Jesus Christ is Lord if on Sunday you worship, but Monday through Saturday you do your own thing. Jesus is just somebody you heard of. He's not your Lord because the Lord has say over your life because Jesus Christ is Lord. That should affect your decision making because Jesus Christ is Lord. That should cause me to abstain from some things. I, some things I just got to let go because Jesus Christ is Lord. But because Jesus Christ is Lord, too, it should cause me to do and to be some things I wouldn't naturally be. Because Jesus Christ is Lord, that means I'm going to have to uh, love those who are seem to be unlovable. Because Jesus Christ is Lord, I have to forgive those who I have old oh, issues with. Because Jesus Christ is Lord, that means I have to glorify him in my weakness, not because I'm strong. That means I'm not going to show off and act like I got it all together. I'm going to walk with a limp. So you can see how Jesus is helping me along the way. Because Jesus Christ is Lord, it affects my life. That's the confession we say. Jesus Christ is Lord. And under that confession, girded by this apostolic foundation, Jesus is building his church. this reveals to us because we are a confessional people that if there is any place that calls themselves a church but the people doesn't, they don't gather to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, then that's not really a church. If there's a place gathering and Jesus Christ crucified is not lifted up, then that's just a social club. That is not a church. If Jesus is not the center of our worship for Baptist church, if we ever become the center of our own worship, where we, where we, we are getting intoxicated off our own news, off our own zeal, if, if we ever become the center all about me and what I want, then, then Jesus Christ is not the church here. This is just a building. This is just a, a place for you to exercise your hobby. So in a way, we don't go to church. We are the church. We go to the church gathered at Forest Baptist. That just sounds good. The church gathered at Forest Baptist. And we ain't changing no names. Y'all don't don't trip, man. But that's who we are. This, this place is not the church. This is the building. But when we gather, we are the church. So when you hate on the church, you hate on yourself. Further, if, if, you, if, if you're gathered with the church... And you don't proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Your name might be on the church gathered roll, but your name is not on a roll in heaven. See, it's easy to come up in the church and want to be a member of this, but you need to know that Jesus is your Lord. See, there's a difference that this is what the Bible talks about. The church visible and the church invisible. See, the church visible is what we see in front of us what we see is the we see the wheat and the tears and, 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 and we can't we can't visibly see someone's heart. We someone may say they say they may say they have a profession of faith, but 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 really they're wolves in sheep clothing and we can't tell their motives. So I, 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 I I can see the things that you do but I can't exactly see your heart to see where you are with God so that's the church visible we' we're, we're, we're full of Christians and non christians that's just how it is and as long as the church is on earth uh, uh there's gonna be folks in here who are who are saved but there's gonna be folks who think they saved but really ain't saved in the church they they're they gonna say things like you ask them are you a Christian well I grew up in the church but no but are you saved? Why well, are you a Christian? Well, I was baptized when I was five. No, but are you saved? Well, well, well I, 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 are you part of the church? Well, you know, I sang in the choir. My daddy was a deacon, and, and I helped with the ushers. But were you saved? Was there a moment in your life where the Holy Spirit grabbed grab hold of your soul and shook you and made you born again? Have you been born again? That's the difference between the visible and invisible church. See, but the invisible church, is that's the church that God knows. Because the text tells us that God knows our hearts. And You, 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 know, you know when you, you do something wrong, you say, well, God knows my heart. He so do. He knows our hearts and our heart's motivations. Are we in the church because it's a place where I know how to show off because I'm good at it? And because I'm good at it, I get glory? But it's the church, a place I just desire to be because I get to gather with God's folk. I get to lift holy hands and praise and worship him. I get to tell my beloved and edify those around me. Is that why we're in the church? Because it's only the invisible church that God's gonna recognize. Your name could be in a roll, and you still could be headed to hell. Turn with me to Second Timothy right quick. Second Timothy. The second chapter. Let's start at verse fourteen, Second Timothy, the second chapter, verse fourteen. This is this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, "Remind them of these things, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words." Which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as as one approved, a worker who has not has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid look, watch this. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Stop talking on the side of y'all neck, because you gonna make somebody sin. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. Watch this, verse 18, who have swerved from the truth. They were part of the church. They were on every committee. They was in the choir. They raised holy hands on Sunday morning. Talking about preach. They They was there. But what happened to them? What happened to these two people? Who have swerved from the truth. Saying that the resurrection has already happened. They got some bad theology somewhere. They are upsetting the faith of some. But watch this verse 19. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. God knows who you is. I know it's not not right English for my teachers, but that's what it says. God knows who you is. You either belong to him or you belong to Satan. Ain't no middle ground. Ain't no middle camp. You either a servant of the Savior or you a servant of Satan. There's only two camps. Ain't no in between. Either you love Jesus or you love yourself. Either you love Jesus or you love the world. Either you love Jesus or, uh, or you love everybody else. There is no in-between. And what he's saying is because they got a hold of some bad doctrine, like you could just go to church all your life and get in. Because they got a hold of some bad doctrine, like all you need to do is be baptized. They got a hold of some bad doctrine that all you need to say is a prayer. They found themselves in a situation where they left the church because they were never part of the church. So what does Paul do to address this, uh, I think 2 Corinthians 15, 3, I believe. Uh, first, yeah. Paul says, examine yourself to make sure you are in the faith. What does he mean? He means, look at your life. Pay attention to your life. He says pay attention to what's going on do you really love jesus is jesus really your lord because that's not a question you want to play around with second 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 corinthians 13 5 examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves or do you not realize about this about yourselves that jesus christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test he's saying that you can't really say jesus is lord until that statement has been tested You can't really say Jesus is Lord until you've hit a situation where you have to make a decision. Will I trust Jesus or will I trust myself? You you can't say Jesus is Lord until you've passed the test. Satan has been up in your face. His minions have been cussing you out. They have been uh, uh, bullying you and talking junk to you. But yet you can say, praise God. I I can still serve. I can still be faithful. I ain't going to go off because everybody else go off. I ain't going to act a fool because everybody else act the fool. Until you pass the test. You can't say Jesus is Lord. Until you cut off that song because you know God ain't being glorified. Until you turn the channel because this is getting too graphic. Unless you... Unless you are able to stop gossiping with the crew that gossip because you know God is not glorifying the gossip. You're not passing the test. We can't keep saying Jesus is Lord if we ain't passed no test. Before I graduated from seminary, I had all kind of classes I had to take. I remember one class. It was the season of my life. I was, just, I was tired. I was tired of school. I told God I wasn't going back to school anyway. Be careful what you tell the Lord. I remember this one semester, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of this. So I figured out the bare minimum what I can do to pass this class. So I ain't, I ain't, I I ain't turning in some assignments. I ain't fill out some work. And I was sweating the whole way. Like man, I mean, C's get degrees, right? I, I, that's I'm telling myself. I'm pumping myself up. I was just, I, I was just gonna settle because I really ain't want to deal with it at that at that point. But you know what? By God's grace, I passed. It was really the grace of the teacher, having conversations with him, and and, and he let me pass. But you know what? Some of us in here, we think God is like that good teacher who's gonna give us grace. And we think that we can do the bare minimum and still go to heaven. We think we can do bare minimum and still call ourselves Christians. We think we can do the bare minimum and still reflect that Jesus is Lord. But God is not calling us to the minimum because Jesus is calling us to himself. And if Jesus is calling us to himself, he's calling us to the greatest thing ever. Where are you with the Lord today? Where are you with the church? Are you part of the people of God because your profession of faith is Jesus Christ as Lord? Or do you think you're a part of the people of God because you just grew up here? Have you actually passed the test? Have you actually abstained or partook because Jesus Christ is your Lord. Because that's the only banner that we can align ourselves up under. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. Beloved, we need to repent for how we feel about the church. We need to repent for the things we said about the church. Because the church is a divine institution created by Jesus. Jesus. And the church is a gathering of God's particular people. But we serve a faithful God that gives grace. And he allows us to humble ourselves through his grace to repent and to turn towards him. So when we leave this place, we can actually appreciate the church because it has the name brand of Jesus stamped on it. To all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your faithfulness and the love that you have for us. Thank you for your word. Lord, please forgive me, forgive us for every wrong and idle word that we've used to describe your bride, your church, the very thing that you're building, Lord. Father, forgive us for not recognizing that not only are we doing life with sinners, but we're sinners ourselves. Lord, please forgive us and and turn our hearts towards you. That we will truly understand your purposes and your plans for this institution you have called the church that you are building. Father, I ask that you have mercy, that you will give us grace, that you will cause us to love you like never before. Transform us from the inside out, dear God, by grace. Oh, we need your grace. Oh, we love your grace. Have mercy on us, oh God. Jesus, precious and holy name, we do pray. Amen.